Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello everybody, welcome to the Football Rambles Guide 2. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Vidushan Hunter-Raja. There are great managers, and then there are Pep Guardiola. It's impossible to play good football if you don't make sex with your partner, it's impossible. And Jose Mourinho. It's amazing that this one gentleman in the last row sleeping like an angel. Yes, there are trophies, don't worry. Jose has a tattoo to remind you of it. But these two managers have shaped the game in the 21st century more profoundly than anyone else. And their stories are so, so closely intertwined. In the first of two special Ramble Guide 2s, we're exploring the mad, special and mad career of Pep Guardiola. And he's in again here, Lionel Messi. Could this be the hat-trick before half-time? He's the man who made modern Barcelona, who steered the most talented footballer of all time through his best years, who assembled maybe the greatest ever club side. They make it look so simple. Control, pass, back flick, pass. <laughs> it's frighteningly good. But he's also the man who has been accused of chronically overthinking to the point of losing his hair and has still failed to win the Champions League since those halcyon days in Catalonia. Different year, same stuff. Yeah, it's a shame for us to, to go in that way. Today, we're going to explore his enigmatic brilliance as a manager, man and serial botherer of opposition players. 
Nathan Redman knows. It's not your player. It's nothing to do with you, Pep. Go away. So sit down, drink water and relax, because this is the Football Rambles Guide to Pep Guardiola. Oh, gentlemen. Oh, gentlemen, what a task we have on our hands today. I, I We have to start, chaps, by exploring the idea that, 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 that Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho's careers are entwined together, as we said in the intro. Why are they um, important as a pair? And why is it, Andy, that we are doing this as a doubleheader? We just we have to mention them both together. Yeah, we do. I've, I think partly because they're sort of diametric opposites and partly because, as you say, they are so fantastically intertwined from Barcelona, back when Guardiola was a player. From the get-go. And then... Later on, when they both go for the Barcelona job mm. in 2008 and don't get it. And then, when he comes back, Mourinho, to face Guardiola as a fully-fledged member of the Galactic Empire, which is what we love to see. Uh-huh. And did it before, of course, with, with Inter in that uh, tumultuous uh, tie in the Champions League. But Vish, the two of them together, I mean, the the, the debates which will rage on for, for many years, of course, about Messi and Ronaldo, those two are always mentioned in the same bracket. In terms of managers, it's these two, isn't it, in the 21st century? The two most talked about managers in, in world football. Yeah, and it's um, it's a bit of a luxury, if that is the right word, for us that we we got to endure them, enjoy them and whatnot, not just at the same time, but more often than not against each other. Mm. Certainly in their, you know, it, I say in their respective peaks, I mean Mourinho's peak really, don't yeah. I? Because Pep Guardiola's peak evidently is continuing. Well, we'll explore that. Yeah, well, and... I think the thing I find fascinating about both of them is that they have very different styles. If we take success as a given, mm-hmm. um, they're very different styles, and yet they have the same, a lot of the same results in terms of falling out with players. They approach things in, in actually very similar ways when you look at how they focus on the environment, how players often don't have very nice things to say about them by the end of their respective tenures at clubs. Mm-hmm. And I think also little things down to how they how they approach the game in terms of the 90 minutes on the field in terms of how they appro- how they you know look to seek an advantage out of every little thing in the stadium i don't even mean the pitch yeah. for, whether it's from watering the pitch mm-hmm. to little things like how they've both actually employed ball boys to play a part in <laughs> what they're doing on the field i think there's a lot of similarities between both which is i, I realize it's a bit of a quad psychological thing to say mm. but a lot of the time, very similar people are often at each other's throats. And yeah. I see a little bit of that in, in these two. Mm. Absolutely. Um, well, we will, of course, get to Mourinho in the next Ramble Guide too. But for now, we are going to focus on Guardiola. But of course, there's crossover, as we've just sort of mapped out there for you. Um, and you recently described them as the Gallagher brothers, which I... <laughs> it's it's an imperfect analogy, but it's one that, that's very, you know, very much close to my own heart. Who's writing so. the songs? <laughs> well, I think Guardiola would be Noel. Mm. and Mourinho would be Liam in that you pretend that Noel is the more important one, but everyone secretly likes Liam more. (laughs) That's perfect, yeah. And also, with regards to Mourinho's career, you know, obviously his time, uh, the first couple of albums, Oasis, you know, he's playing the hits, FC Porto, Inter, you know. But then when Liam does go back to Nebworth quite recently, winning that European trophy with Roma... (laughs) 
No, it's not the, what we had before, but it is a little nod to the former glories. Yeah, Mourinho's never making a high-flying birds record, is he? <laughs> Guardiola definitely is, probably on the eve of the Champions yeah. League final. Well, Guardiola is mates with uh, Noel Gallagher as well, apparently, but there we are. We'll get to all this and more, of course. So let's start with Guardiola. Uh, that's what we're doing today. Uh, Guardiola, of course was a very, very fine player in his day. Now, even as a boy, he was known within his community as a football fanatic. Now I think he's more of a football madhead, isn't he? But uh, but fanatic, madhead, there's a, there's a thin line between the two. <laughs> Do you reckon they should have they should have spotted it early? And they, should have, they should have intervened then. Yeah. And there. At 13, he started to lose his hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he started training at Barcelona's famous youth academy, La Masia. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, but, but, but by 16, apparently he hadn't found his sort of specialised position, which of course we would come to know in sort of layman's terms as a defensive midfield role and pulling the strings and and all that. And now the legend goes that Johan Cruyff, the great Johan Cruyff, um, saw him when he was playing for the youth team in 1988. And Cruyff sort of apparently, you know, he randomly decided to watch a youth game. And at halftime, as it says, he demands to, to know who the player who's playing on the right side of midfield is. Now you have to remember everybody, this is the late 80s. Barcelona, the kind of 4-3-3, the fluid football and all the rest of it, hasn't really... I mean, it would be Cruyff who would sort of bring that back, really, of course, with the Dream Team, which is why we're mentioning this. Um, but yes, they they were there to be shaped and moulded into the Barcelona that we all know uh, and perhaps love. Um, so yes, he suggests that Pep should be moved to the more sort of central uh, defensive uh, midfield position. And of course, he settles in and, and the rest is history. Um, but... Guardiola, not long after that, became a stalwart of Johan Cruyff's dream team, of course. And in that 91-92 season, they won their first ever European Cup at Wembley, beating Sampdoria in the final. And Guardiola was a huge part of uh, Johan Cruyff's dream team as well. Do you remember him much as a player, Vish? Yeah, no, I do. Mm -hmm. I do. Because I think he was one of the first players who I really appreciated who didn't necessarily affect things in a a headline-y way, if that's the right way of putting it, in terms of Goals, mm-hmm. you know, tackles, saves. He was a reader of the game. And I think maybe he was easier to spot in a team like Barcelona mm-hmm. when you knew that, you know, when they were an incredibly gifted team. and Surrounded it, by it, superstars. Yeah, and it, and it was evident that he was playing an important role in there. Because he was surrounded by superstars, you were like, right, this guy's clearly mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. There's an element of like probably a bit different in the way that we hype players up or certainly have in the last 10, 15 years. But someone like Bushkets, who you're like... He's clearly incredible at what he does. Yep. And when you're able to focus in on what he does, mm-hmm. which you couldn't really do at the time then, it, mm-hmm. it's easier to see. But then you kind of went on the reputation of those around him and you thought, okay, this guy's clearly got something about it. I think yeah. that idea of a, a coach on the pitch, which is what he looks like, particularly retrospectively, is is very important. The idea that, uh, you know, he's like Christ muse mm. really on, on the field. I think it's interesting as well. When you go forward to the bit where he has his Barcelona coach, obviously he believes in bringing players through La Masia and the understanding of what Barcelona mean as a club on on and off the pitch. I think it's quite interesting that in that first season when, and people always peddle this myth or some people always peddle this myth that, you know, he inherited this brilliant team and he didn't have to change anything. One of the biggest changes he makes right at the beginning Mm. of being Barcelona first team coach is popping in Busquets. Yes. Very important. Can I ask something, just because you've touched on it there and we are talking about his playing career, because of the fact that he came through La Masia because of the fact that he saw the talent around him and yet they weren't exactly utilising that until he became manager. Mm. Do you think him coming in has changed the way we look at that 
academy and changed even the way that Barcelona hierarchy look at that academy. Yeah, I think definitely. There's there's no doubt about that. That idea of Barcelona DNA, mm-hmm. if you like, becomes even more important uh, under under Pep. But of course, it's the fact that he's considered as like the. I guess the lineage of Cruyff, he's considered yeah. as the, the, the next step in the link, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's the next it. Link in the in the chain. So. Yeah, I think I think people can sometimes forget that Barcelona's successful history is fairly recent and modern in terms of footballing history. You think about Real Madrid, it goes back to the fifties. Not mm. so with, with with Barcelona, and of course the makeup of Spain as a country is a very interesting and, and, and complex one in of itself. But it is as a manager that we're we, you know that, that I think that. So many people know Pep Guardiola now um, because he is front and centre, absolute headline maker as a manager in the way he wasn't as a player. Very important player, of course, uh, for that team as you've as you've mapped out there. But I think when you talk about Pep Guardiola's career, when, when we look back on it, whenever he decides to retire, if he ever does, he'll just go on and on, I think. But um, I think actually you, you really see that, that, that when they used to call him the brains as a player, it was as if that was him kind of uh, tuning up as to what he would do as a manager kind of mm. thing. And so, of course, he, he becomes Barcelona B manager and then was announced as Frank Rijkaard's successor. And Frank Rijkaard, as you say, Andy, you know, it was a team full of superstars, you know, Ronaldinho and Deco and Eto and uh, Ludovic Julian, all these these players, and they won the Champions League. But thank you for putting Julian there. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's done well to get yeah. there, hasn't he? <laughs> he has. He's, 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 he's slipped your backhander. Yeah, he was a big player for them, Andy. He was. Philip Cristanval as well. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Van Bommel was he about? Um, played in the World Cup final. You know, should have been for less minutes than <laughs> yeah. what it was. But there we are. <laughs> but but uh, he took over from Frank Rijkaard, and Frank Rijkaard had brought Barcelona back into uh, being the champions of, of Europe again. Um, but then they began to slide. Uh, so this kind of winning machine that Barcelona kind of sort of became, at least ostensibly, for, for a period of time, until all this financial business in the last sort of couple of years, um, it was actually it was when Guardiola took over. But I think when Rijkaard took over uh, and got them going again, they really, really shone brightly and then it started to wane. And when Guardiola, in his first season... And, you know, we spoke about this recently on, uh, on a Patreon episode. The changes that he has to make are enormous. And actually, yeah. the, a rot had set in, an inertia had set in for a while, actually, despite Rijkaard's side playing really nice football. But, but not by the end of it. No. It, it, was, it, was, it was a mess. Yeah. It was undisciplined. Mm-hmm. They finished third to Real Madrid. Yeah. And I think if you look at spring 2008, when they've lost the title to, mm-hmm. to, to, to Real Madrid, and they have to applaud them onto the pitch they have to do uh, a guard of honour yeah. onto the pitch at the, the, the Bernabeu at the beginning of the so Classico and then Real Madrid go on and belt yeah. them 4-1 so and at that point they know they need a massive reset and they want one of their own Yes, because this is this is the where the well, Mourinho they, they, de- they decide on one of their own eventually. So this is where the Mourinho and Guardiola thing because Mourinho has is won titles at Porto. He's won titles at Chelsea by mm. by this point. Jose Mourinho is possibly in terms of his in terms of stock, the best football manager on the planet at yeah. that point. He is he's obviously he's, 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 he gets sacked by Chelsea, of course, but Mourinho's like he's just this incredible figure at this point mm. in football. Um, and Barcelona need a manager. Of course, Mourinho was it, was at um, Barcelona before under Bobby Robson. 
and uh, and new Guardiola well. You know, there's that incredible moment after they win the Cup Winners' Cup in 1997. Yeah. Um, with, I think, Ronaldo scored the only goal against, uh, was it maybe PSG. Final? PSG. And, uh, and Guardiola points at Mourinho and they both, and they do this lovely big hug on the pitch at the end of the game. Um, so it all seems harmonious between the two. But this is the moment where, where a, a schism is created. One of the most incredible and talked about sort of schisms in terms of the effect it had in modern football history, you would say. Barcelona, they want success. They need to get back to the top. Surely Mourinho is the obvious option. He's a winner. He, he's just gobbling up the trophies. And Mourinho must think to himself, well, I'm going to go back to the club where I was this little coach and I'm going to show him what for. And of course, Andy, as you say, they choose one of their own, Pep Guardiola, who's had one season managing for Barcelona B. But it's, it's funny, if you're thinking you want to sort out a mess... Mourinho doesn't take if, that very if, well, by the way. It's fair to say, <laughs> as has been discussed at length in the Axel Torres book right. that, that, that followed that, which some have tried to debunk as, as fiction. And maybe there is a dramatic element to it. It's very entertaining mm. anyway, worth the read. I, I think... The, the interesting thing is how you would think in a situation like that, if you want to clear deck, Mourinho's your man for yeah. that scorched earth policy. But in fact, it's Guardiola who has to bin some quite beloved players. Mm. So he's concerned about the influence that uh, Ronaldinho and Deco in mm -hmm. particular are having on Messi. So he bins them. And Ronaldinho is one of the most loved players from, in that club's history. Yes. He tries He tries to bin Samueletto. Unsuccessfully, it turns out. And, that turns out to be quite good, yeah, particularly yeah. in that in that first season. So it's, it's sometimes not acknowledged the hard decisions mm. he made. It's, it's a different type of discipline, or maybe less confrontational discipline than, than Mourinho. Well, that's right, yeah, because Guardiola, you know, Ibrahimovic, of course, went there just for a season. It didn't quite work out. And he often would get angry because Guardiola, certainly according to Ibrahimovic, would kind of shy away and make his decisions. Well, he's, he's more a Mourinho guy, isn't he? He's much more of a Mourinho guy. Well, yeah. the, the, the great Ibrahimovic quote, um, I think it was after the defeat against Inter Milan, where he you know goes into the goes into the dressing room and says says he hasn't got any balls, calls him a coward, mm. um, and you know there's that there's that other quote about how he says that. Guardiola bought a Ferrari. Talking about himself, yep. bought a Ferrari and he and he drove it like a Fiat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Both are from Italy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go, Zlatan. Um, yeah, what, what a good Swedish car, Skoda. It's not even a Skoda. But the the, the thing I, I the thing I find interesting about um, the way players from that era remember working with Guardiola. Mm -hmm. um, when Ibrahimovic signed for Manchester United, he did an interview with Sky Sports with um, Thierry Henry. Mm. And Thierry Henry, to stoke the fires, mm -hmm. asked him that, you know, Ronaldo Messi, yeah. Pep Paul Jose. And Henry himself having played under Guardiola and won the treble yeah. with him. Yeah. And Ibrahimovic goes, I know why you've asked me that, but you know exactly what my answer is and you agree with me. And Henry just starts laughing. Oh, and like so, you could tell that even someone of that profile, and it's got to be hard when you're at that at that stage of your career when you think you're doing brilliant things and you have previously done brilliant things at that club, mm -hmm. and someone comes in and says, "You know what? No, yeah, don't need you." And it takes incredible balls to do that. Well, actually. it does. It does. I mean, but the clear out he had in his in his first season there at Barcelona, you know, what did it change at the club? Because for my money, it seemed to bring a structure, some discipline. And it set Barcelona on the trajectory that they would go off for, 
well, I don't know how many years you would say. Well, in the most simple way, it gives them the midfield that they end up leaning on for the next decade. There you go. Straight away. That, that's the most simple way of, yeah. of, of, of framing it. But having players who are Barcelona or of Barcelona stock, mm-hmm. like Gerard Piquet, who he brings back and becomes another key figure. Yeah. And then you think Good of... Good from United, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you think of the importance of uh, Xavi, Iniesta, Puyol, mm-hmm. later Pedro, for example. Yeah. All, all of those, it all feeds into him having a Barcelona where everyone understands what Barcelona is about. Well, totally. Yeah. And they, of course, win the treble in his first season. Stunning stuff. His best season in management is his first season. I mean, the Noel Gallagher's analogy could come back and play. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that as a huge Noel Gallagher fan. But uh, but but he made those decisions and, and they reaped immediate rewards. Although for the first two games of the season, they struggled and there was talks for, hey, this guy's not cut out. Mm. You think, what on earth are we doing here? And Johan Cruyff steps in and goes, no, I saw them, there's great improvement, and then they win the third game, 6-1, and then they're away. And, of course, they have that un- unbelievable season. Um, and, the, and the trophies would follow. I mean, they beat Manchester United in the final that year, 2-0, when it was genuinely the two best sides in Europe in that final. Mm. I don't think anybody would have any kind of problem arguing that. And the way Barcelona took them apart was just like, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to be at the final in Rome, and I remember coming away just going, oh, look, you've witnessed greatness. I mean, he even made Messi I mean? score against an English club. That's how good he was. Well, I, I, yeah, that, that, yeah, to squeeze, he managed to get a tune out of Messi. <laughs> I think, I think we will all, we will all remember him for that. Ronaldinho tried, Deco tried. The kid said it couldn't be done. He was just tuning up with those ones, you know. And then, Come on, and then, drink up; it'll be fine. So the the one thing I think about that season in particular, mm-hmm. and I, I maybe maybe I'm um, overegging pudding here on this, but. A lot of the way that people talk about Guardiola now mm. is the tactical and analytical side, yeah. almost devoid of emotion, almost conditioning people mm-hmm. to learn new instincts, as it were, to not mm-hmm. be too emotional on the field, to mm-hmm. believe in the fact that you don't, if you're searching for a goal in the last five minutes, yeah. you, do, you should do exactly what we've been yep. doing for no you know, plan the last B, essentially. 40, 40 games. Yeah, have, have unequivocal belief in that plan, in mm-hmm. that plan A. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I think he does early on in Barcelona is well two things really the best thing you can do with it, with young precocious players is give them responsibility he mm-hmm. gave them responsibility mm-hmm. and two I think the way I watched the way I saw that Barcelona team start out they were basically playing like a country yeah they were playing they, that was their bread and butter Spain was almost an afterthought which is hilarious when you think about what Spain won during that period as totally, well totally yeah well there's no there's not a huge coincidence no exactly and I think it it maybe showed itself in um in a more political way later on when we started talking about independence for Catalonia mm. and you suddenly see that side to him and you're like right okay I I think I get this now yeah. because I you know I, I I'm not too okay with the political mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Well, the geopolitical issues in Spain but evidently it was something that he truly believed in yeah. bear in mind he he ended up playing a few games for Catalonia as well didn't mm-hmm. he during his playing days yeah. Um, and it, and I think that's the most emotional and most impressive I've seen him on anything other than football, really. Right. Because he, I thought he spoke so passionately and yet yeah. sensibly about what is an issue that was mm-hmm. blowing up in Spain. Yeah. All the way from you know all the way in Manchester, and I wonder if that was part of that. I wonder if it was almost getting getting the people together and being like, look, we are different. We need to be different. We need to be ourselves because it's. 
you know stood the test of time really indeed it indeed it has yeah and he's he's yeah he he totally get i mean he, it is the epitome of one of our own you know i don't know if they sing that in exactly, well, exactly, stands exactly there like yeah. we do here um not about peppercorns um but yeah so so you know unbelievable success and and he turned barcelona into Aside, which I've said before, they felt like almost like they were the good guys of football. Again, whether that's true or not, I mean, it probably isn't. But th- that's what it felt like. Suddenly, wherever you went in the world, you, I, at, at that time, I went to a, 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 you know kind of a couple of far flung away places. Everyone's wearing Barcelona kits. It just it was incredible. Barcelona became everybody's. If they're not your first team, they're the yeah, they're your second team. Well, do, do you remember? Um... The great Jose Mourinho quote about when he thought the referees were more lenient on Barcelona <laughs> yeah. because they were sponsored by UNICEF. Right, because yeah, because, again you had because he was like they were playing because totally. I, I think that was when they broke their no sponsor thing, wasn't it? They yeah, got they, in. Yeah, but but his, his no, no, no. fortunately it was completely altruistic and didn't turn out to be a bridge to anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, but 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 they were they were they were almost play, they were playing up to it, weren't they? Yeah, and his idea got in his head. They're like, no, it's because they're sponsored by yeah. UNICEF that they were giving them a well, penalty. Exactly, but they, the UNICEF <laughs> on the jersey, they were winning yeah. trophies. They had, they had this amazing team, and they had Lionel Messi, who w- became the global superstar under Pep Guardiola. And you know, those two were just it was it was incredible to see them working together. Pep on the sidelines, of course, Messi on the pitch. But then 2015, Messi said they no longer have any kind of relationship. Which is which is which is a shame. But Andy, talk about those two. I, I don't. I don't think it's surprising though, is it? Well, yeah. Because the intensity mm-hmm. with which Guardiola worked. I mean, like to briefly touch on. Well, I guess where we'll go later. When he left Bayern, there's this collective. Oh, mm. God, that was intense, wasn't it? Yeah. And then six months later, Thomas Muller and Manuel Neuer are going. Well, the team's not being trained hard enough. They're organising their own training sessions mm. off off the books. Yeah. So you maybe miss it once it's... A, and they spend so long looking for the right mm. coach after he's left Barcelona. So... But I think that's the incredible thing that he stayed at Man City. that magic is difficult. But staying at Man City that long, is that's been an intriguing one because at Guardiola, it seemed to be he would be the coach for perhaps similar, perhaps different reasons... Uh, of that of Mourinho, that it would be three season stuff. No, but the, the, you see, I, I think the difference. Oh, four season, well, I know the difference is all in Manchester City's planning, because mm. for years before they set the table mm-hmm. with Begasterain, all those guys yeah. um, to, to 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 basically do the management stuff for him. So the difference between what you're saying as, as coach and manager uh-huh. is very important at Manchester City. He's just the coach. Yeah. And post-Barcelona, that's what he rediscovers. But Barcelona's so exhausting and all-consuming because he is basically the manager, the guy who sets the philosophy, the guy who blows the trumpet for mm-hmm. Catalonia and is like, like the front-facing figure of the club. He doesn't have the same level of support and he's expected uh-huh. to, to be everything and do everything. And this relationship with Messi is mm-hmm. kind of at the part of it, two such bastions of, of, of Barcelona. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I I think, yeah, if Guardiola hadn't moved on, I mean, look, the, Messi's talent, he was always going to get to the top and stay there for for a long, long time. But I think it is probably for the best for everybody that, that Guardiola did move on because Messi clearly wanted a bit more control. Guardiola likes to have kind of total control, if you like. Um, and they were kind of butting heads. I mean, by the 2011-12 season, it kind of reached breaking point. Messi was rested for a league game against Real Sociedad. He skipped training the next day 
which is something that you wouldn't think. I thought you were going to talk about the can of Coke, but anyway, go on. What was the can of Coke? Where, where oh, the... he had a can of Coke and he, he got told off for it, was that Yeah, the, 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 the team meeting. Yeah, yeah and very naughty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, what did he eat? Schoolboy stuff, literally schoolboy stuff. Don't have it in the team meeting. He, so he drank a can of Coke in the team meeting, Guardiola what, gave him lines, what happened? Yeah, he he, no, uh, he just leaned, leaned over and dropped a mento in it. <laughs> Drink that, <laughs> you little weasel. <laughs> but it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because <laughs> but anyway, but, no, was... make the point about that he skipped training and then Pep subsequently played Messi in every minute of every game he was available for the rest of the season. <laughs> That's so Messi... he, had, he made him smoke the whole pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, but but that I but uh, in this analogy, that pack of cigarettes is seventy three goals that season, <laughs> yeah. though. So uh, yeah. Um, so Cigarettes are cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cigarettes mean trophies. No, um, so scored a lot of goals. Some suggest maybe the team wasn't better off for that. But though. that's that's the thing, isn't it? Because throughout all of it, whether Messi can see it or not, Guardiola does everything for him. Against his instincts, he brings in Ibrahimovic mm. because he thinks he's technically better than Eto, so therefore will link better mm-hmm. with Messi. That doesn't quite work. Messi needs to go into the centre and he feels that Ibrahimovic being relatively immobile compared to other Barcelona mm-hmm. players takes up that space for him yeah. in the middle. So then, a horrendous financial loss. They clear at the decks and then they have, for 2011, probably their best ever front three yeah. in Pedro, David Messi Villa. and David Villa where there's no real fixed point. But again, that's the Guardiola. You know, in this country... We talk about Alex Ferguson breaking up good teams and then shaping a mold. Guardiola, in four seasons at Barcelona, manages to, you know, Thierry Henry, Samuel Eto'o and Lionel Messi was an incredible front three, won the treble. And he's got a different, different, uh, slightly different lineup the next season and all this kind of stuff. And in, in that, I think that is the, the peak of his powers. Guardiola, you know, we, the tiki tackle was a phrase sort of kind of coined. I know he didn't particularly like that. But again, he's changing football at this time. You know, the, 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 the 2011 Champions League final was it at Wembley when they yes. beat Manchester United 3 1. That looks to me. That's an apex Champions League final well, performance. You, you could, you That's could, almost as good as Milan beating Barcelona in 94. You could make an argument that it was better in terms of tactically, you know, Guardiola created one of, if not the best club side in the world. That performance mm. in a Champions League final, he, he showed it to the world. Like, this was Guardiola. And, and the thing is, from there, where do you go in your career? This is what I mean. Like, it, it, it's so, so... And, and of course, Guardiola, the, 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 the following season, is exhausted and has to, he has to leave Barcelona. And maybe one of the things with Manchester City, and of course, it's not the political stuff that you've mentioned earlier, Vish. It's, it's not his hometown, so it's not going to be as all um, consuming. He's not He's not required to be a symbol of the club in the same way. Well, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mourinho once said of, of Guardiola, when you enjoy what you do, you don't lose your hair. And Guardiola is bald. He doesn't enjoy football. Now, I mean... But it's that, not could just been, a... that could have been written by us. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's that But it wasn't, but though, was it? It's not just the football at Barcelona. He has to do everything. Of course. Yeah. And that was the thing everything. with his time there. He was utterly exhausted. Did he also have to keep the accounts... <laughs> Well, if, if he did, look, as yeah. long as someone else does this when I leave, but I wonder, we should though, be fine. But, I mean, it is interesting how he, just like Mourinho, he walks away after this great success. There's a trail of financial chaos. Yeah, well, but I mean, but mentioning Mourinho, here he comes again because Mourinho joins Real Madrid. 
you know, Barcelona are on top of the world. The world has fallen in love with them. And Real Madrid are sitting there going, hang about, like, we can't have any of this. Not even for a moment. So their move is to play what they consider an ace card in the form of hiring Jose Mourinho's manager. But also, when, they, when Real Madrid hire Mourinho, they're saying, we're never going to match Barcelona yeah, for yeah. style. Yeah. Let's just fuck them. Do you think though? Because I think I think Mourinho thought, right, we're going to make it into five. Because there was that period, wasn't there? In eighteen days, we had four classicos, and I tell you what, I was exhausted. Yes. After that, it was. Just, it was. Have you ever? Have you ever experienced anything quite like that in football, Fish? That here it was. It's like a World Series, basically. It was. Isn't it? Yeah. Like it yeah. was just condensed. As I say, it would be a bit like Ronaldo and Messi having a penalty shootout where they both get five. You know, they're the only ones taking and they, you know, it was but like if, a competition. If they did it for 18 days. Exactly. <laughs> like there's, was... there's also the thing where no, at no, well, none of those games gave you even a, the most hint of an opportunity, a League Cup fifth round of an opportunity yeah, to yeah. rest players. Yeah, absolutely. You just had to go 100% uh, indeed. every single game. And and and, and clearly, because there was that great performance when Barcelona beat Real Madrid 5-0 at the new Camp and they were all chanting... The Barcelona fans were chanting at Marina because they call him the translator, don't they? Because he was Bobby Robson's translator. And I think he sat there that evening and was just like, right, okay, like that is it. And and you know that the man loves a vendetta. And you could argue Mourinho's whole career is a vendetta against Barcelona from that point where they where they decided to. Um, but yes, in, it, but those classicos in, in in 2011, it was it was something else. But but after Real Madrid won the 2011 Copa del Rey final against Barcelona, which was the first sort of chink in the armor of Barcelona in terms of the classicos, because it felt like. It, it, like in this, it almost felt like like New Labour. They're going to win every election. Do you know what I mean? Like Barcelona are going yeah. to beat them every single time. There is yes. not going to be a moment. And of course, and 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 Ronaldo's involved as well. They're, yeah. they're, so they get Cristiano Ronaldo. So he comes into the mix. It's all there. Um, but after Real Madrid won that that final, Pep went out in his pre-match press conference uh, before the Champions League semi-final. Uh, and, and, and said down the camera, in this room, Mourinho is the fucking chief, the fucking boss. I don't want to compete with him in here. This is a game of football. It's the way, it's the way he says that. Yeah. It's like he's um, a beautifully sculpted football robot mm. who's having a short circuit. Yeah, it, he's, he's absolutely losing it. And Mourinho must have been watching that, laughing his ass off. He did, yeah. Because he thinks, I've, I've got him here. I've mm. got under his skin in a way that I couldn't even have hoped was possible. Yeah. So I, I also think there's an element of Mourinho realises he's in his head and then very quickly, certainly over the next few years, and I include when he's come, when you know, when they're both mm-hmm. going at it in England, yeah. I think he realises it's not a nice place for someone else to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, because yeah. it's... Yeah. He's just wired differently. Yeah, totally. And I think I think you know, as you mentioned earlier, Andy, they both exhausted themselves so much in that in that period of time. And Pep, of course, leaves Barcelona in 2012 and needs to take a break um, to drink water and relax, presumably in in, in New York. Well, it's definitely not wine. It's definitely it, water. But with regards, also to bear, mi- bear in mind during that time off in New York, he came across a pickup game and decided to do some coaching. <laughs> he loves it. He's an absolute football pervert. Is, we is, know is that before or after chess with Gary Kasparov? Oh yeah, there was that as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was forgot about that. Um, but yes, and then and then at Bayern Munich, you've already mentioned it, of course. How is he remembered at Bayern? Because he took over when they just themselves won the treble. Yeah, but I think this goes to show when we look at the fact that Guardiola hasn't won the Champions League since 2011. Mm. It shows how judging football just in terms of trophies or just in terms of numbers is essentially flawed. 
because if you ask match-going Bayern fans, yeah. people will always throw it in his face that he didn't win the Champions League at Bayern. But if you ask match-going Bayern fans what was Bayern's Guardiola like, they will say the best football we ever yeah. saw. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. The influence he's had on the Premier League since he came here has been extraordinary. And I would say, I mean, it obviously goes back to his Barcelona days, but even playing grassroots football, just the way teams now operate, yeah. it, you can see it. Like at our level, I've, I've seen the changes myself. Now, I know football has... Seeing moved. Sunday League teams do the rondo. Yes, but no, but like passing out from the back. Yeah. And it's not just passing out the back. I know teams have been doing that for years and so on. But his his impact on football, you, you, you cannot underestimate. And... It's been incredible having him in the Premier League. He took a little while to get going here, much to the uh, amusement of some sort of journalists and whatnot. And, you know, um, a bald fraud people were, you know, were, were calling him and all this kind of stuff, forgetting what he'd done. But I, I find it interesting with, with what he's done at Man City because I don't think it will ever be thought of as what he did at Barcelona because I think people just go, yeah, but look at the budget. Look at the budget you've got, you know, and you haven't won the Champions League. The fact is, you've only reached one final. Mm hmm. Since 2011, 
which is which is incredible. And and all this kind of overthinking things when when they have reached the latter stages, Man City, especially in that final against Chelsea. But that's, he now has a reputation, Andy, of overthinking the but, big but games. That's, that's being an innovator for you, isn't it? But you, you try yeah. and adjust all the time. Yeah, you, you're not an innovator at the highest level of football without taking some risks. Do you think it's and he's always done that? I think the other thing as well. No, but do you think he's an innovator, fact... or do you think he's desperately trying to find what made it all happen at Barcelona? Uh, no, no, I, no, I don't. It's I don't, not a chasing after self. No? I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it is. Okay. Also, I think the thing before we go on is is to say the Champions League is a cup competition. Okay, often the best team don't win it. Yeah. That's why cup competitions. Not that he hasn't ex- made mistakes, but that's but... why cup competitions exist as well as league format. Yeah, yeah. To add a point of difference. Mm. Yeah, no, that that that, that is that is the, a, that is there's a, a, so, uh, the, the other thing I will say on that is um, there's um, a phrase in the art history world, specifically around conservation, that better is the enemy of good. Mm. And I think people apply that to football way too much yeah. because actually you don't move the game forward if you're not always looking for better. Mm. Yeah, and so I. <laughs> As Andy said, you know, it's easy for us to uh-huh. look at the look at that final against Chelsea, see Gundogan as the holding midfielder, and think this man has lost his marbles, uh-huh. and at the same time realise that Chelsea are there with no intention of of keeping the ball, yeah. and him thinking, right, if we're going to see more of the ball, then I'm going to put an extra pass in there, sure. which makes sense, uh-huh. doesn't it? And, the and if is- they win the game. It makes even more sense, the and thing, he's a genius. The thing is, I'm sure we'll come on to this in our Mourinho part, but actually, the reason why, as referencing what Vish was saying at the beginning, the reason that Guardiola's peak is longer than Mourinho's is because he adapts to survive. Mm-hmm. Is Bayern a complete replication of what he does at Barcelona? No. It takes the best of Bayern and the best qualities of the players that he has and the mm-hmm. best qualities of the best German players that mm-hmm. are, are produced and combines them with his philosophy at Barcelona. And he does that at Manchester City as well. You know, at the start when he says, I think it's after the Leicester defeat in his first season at Manchester City, mm-hmm. and he talks about tackling as being a last resort. Yeah. And he's absolutely lampooned for that. Mm-hmm. But really... Tackling should be a last resort, shouldn't it? Because ideally, you've got the ball all the time yeah. and you're going to score and score and score and win and win and win. Well, I think, yeah, the, the, the different footballing cultures. I mean, he did say after, I think it was maybe after the defeat, to, a heavy defeat to Everton around that time. And he, you know, he admitted he got things wrong and he said, well, that's why I came here, to be changed. Yeah, mm. which exactly. is a very interesting way exactly. of putting it. And quite humble, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think um, just... Because it, it it was triggered by something Andy said there about um, using the best of the German players yeah. um, he has access to, and we've seen it a little bit with English players in at Manchester City. One of my one of, one of my favourite qualities, if not the favourite quality of Guardiola that that I adore, is his ability to look at a player mm-hmm. and put them in a position, yep. not be told what position they're in. Philip Lahm. Philip Lahm is the best mm. example of that. Mm-hmm. The idea that this guy is an exceptional world class yeah. <laughs> right and left back, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he looks at him and thinks, you'll be a gun defensive midfielder. But even even for the greatest, it doesn't always work. And I think that's the thing. He can be brilliant and he can be a genius and he's still going to make mistakes because everyone yeah. makes mistakes. It's like when you talked about that. When he, What made me think of it is when he tries to, tries to make Ribéry into a number 10 from a left winger mm. and he tries and he tries and he tries and Ribéry just does not get it. Mm. And he has to give up in the end. But really, some... he's, such an, he's such an amenable character, Ribéry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there are some examples, you're right. I mean, Sergio Aguero, 
probably one of the greatest strikers in the Premier League's history. Didn't quite click with with, with Guardiola. But uh, Gab- what... Gabriel Jesus. Look what Gabriel Jesus was doing for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, what... And, and it's funny. Um, I, th- I think, you know, the Jesus thing's interesting because he... Born him as this player, clearly wanted him to do more than just be a number nine. Gabriel Jesus wasn't totally into that. Found himself, you know, playing right wing and essentially doing doggies, which he didn't really want to do. Mm-hmm. And yet, actually, if you look at what he was doing successfully in the first half of the season for Arsenal, I mean, Guardiola's paw prints are all over that. Yes, yeah. yes, they are. They are. Yeah, they're very true. But then look what he's done with Kevin De Bruyne. Now, I know De Bruyne was a superb player beforehand, but he's made him probably one of, if not the best midfielders of his generation, you, 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 you could argue. But I mean, it is interesting because Guardiola, you know, we, we've talked about it tactically, but he, he is also, his man management style, players seem to, I mean, you, you said earlier that when players finish playing for him, you know, maybe they, they're exhausted and maybe don't say too kind things and so on, but, so, but clearly a lot of them love him when they're playing for him. Well, it's the ultimate... I mean, look at those celebrations when he's got a cigar on and singing Don't Look Back in Anger and so on. There, there, yeah. there is a side to Guardiola which seems very affable, very sociable, mm. which I wouldn't have thought because I, I think of him almost as like a mad scientist that he would be like Bielsa. You, say you wouldn't that, see Bielsa doing something like that. He's different, he's different to, say, Tuchel. Because I think, like, for example, Tuchel is very clear with players and very demanding with players. But I, I guess the thing with Guardiola, when you talk about that sociability, mm-hmm. He's he's always believed in the collective. He got Messi to buy into the collective. When we're going back to the Coke can, it's all about submitting to the collective, mm. even if you're the best. And he gets everyone to do that. But over time, it gets easier for him to do that because it's the ultimate mark of respect for a player to say, Pep Guardiola wants me. Pep Guardiola yeah. considers me important. Yeah. He considers me as important as all mm. the other players because we're all important. And he considers me to be part of it. So a great example of um, yeah. a great example of what Andy's talking about there in terms of Guardiola getting everyone to buy into the whole. Um, I know a few people who work behind the scenes at Man City on their um, social media side, mm-hmm. and they said they've never been at a club where the best players are so easy to approach about little like videos on Instagram, you know, social content around Christmas or Halloween, because there's a sense of like, oh, well, everyone. This is what we're supposed to do. We're mm. we're doing it for the club, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're doing it to raise the club's prof- profile. This is just you've asked me to do something. You work for the club. I work for the club. Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they they you know they, I'm not going to name names, but they would name like previous players. You're like, why does this guy have an attitude? Why does why does so and so think he's better than this? And yeah. yet, you know, B- Ballon d'Or contenders are like yeah yeah I'll, I'll act like a dickhead. And I'll <laughs> I'll um you know I'll walk through this hall so Carl Walker can jump out in a yeah. hockey mask and yeah. scare me like. <laughs> That's quite rare. That comes from the top, it doesn't it? Well, well I mean, it's unusual to be at a club with Guardiola and not be most scared of him, yeah. really, isn't it? I, I, he I, should I, jump I out with a Guardiola mask, shouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, that's the other joy of, 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 of collectivity, isn't it? The fact that you don't want to be singled out by Guardiola. You don't want him to be mm-hmm. half a centimetre from your face, grabbing your chops and, you know, talking you through your next game, like yeah. Redmond or Kimmich. Manchester City and Liverpool have had this incredible rivalry. And huge credit goes to, to Liverpool and Klopp, of course, for, for keeping up with them. Because, again, you look at the budgets and, and so on and so forth. But do you think there's any question now whether this Man City team is the best Premier League team ever? Do you think they are, Vish? I th- I think, I think, or Andy? I think there's a, there's a question, but there's, there's a very good argument for it. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing about the rivalry, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. between City and Liverpool is how little off-pitch chip there is. Like, we as 
Premier League fans like a rivalry. For me, the most satisfying rivalry. Man United is, Arsenal. It's comfortably. Yeah, yeah, because Wenger and Ferguson hated each other. But the funny like thing is. But it's, it's the players as well. But do you know Whereas what, though? This, this is just based on the quality of the football. There's, there's no real other element well, because, to it. Well, because that is Guardiola. I think that he, unless he is massively provoked by Mourinho, and of course, remember, Manchester United brought in Mourinho, mm. which I think them themselves are trying to do a Real Madrid there, mm. and it didn't quite work out. Um, I think Guardiola does look at Jurgen Klopp and admire his his, his football, and he, and he does relish that kind of challenge, you yeah. know. Are Man City the best Premier League side? Um... My impulse is to say no, right? Um, because of because you're well, a Manchester United fan, well, and and because of those Manchester United teams of the late nineties into early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the football, though, in terms of how they've carried forward, I think they've had some of the best players, mm-hmm. and, and and that's not to discredit um, Guardiola. I think Guardiola is part of that. I think they've had some of the best players, best performances in the Premier League era. Um, do you think it's? Do you think? I also what? think the issue actually when discussing Man City as a team is they've had so many changing parts. Sure, it's hard to kind of nail down a. But a do 15. you think with Manchester City though, and with Guardiola's football in general, there was perhaps an element of it crept in at Barcelona, um, and maybe that's the same with City. There is a feeling, certainly with that Barcelona side, that he had completed, he'd found the cheat code that this is how you play the game, and if you play it like this, you you cannot lose. And 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 this is the purest way of playing. Now, of course, that's that's not true. Uh, there's there's 101 ways to win a football match. But do you think there's an element that people get a little bit bored of it? Yeah, I think that. And also, I think that it's about their collective strength, mm-hmm. really. The fact that if you're thinking of the best teams, you're thinking of the biggest players, the most mm-hmm. outstanding players. Mm-hmm. Everyone who plays for City yeah. is so good. Mm-hmm. But before, it was Aguero and the others. Yeah. And that wasn't the case once Guardiola took over. One of the best things that Guardiola did was make them less reliant on Aguero mm. because they it, it feeds into his vision of football because you have this complete balance between all the players that you had at Bayern mm-hmm. and that you had at Barcelona as well. It goes back to when uh, Frank Ribéry mm-hmm. didn't win the Ballon d'Or in 2013 because Bayern almost split the vote because they're collectively yeah. so good and mm. that's what he does. I would, I would also say that yeah. one, of, one of the things that Guardiola has become quite annoyed about at Man City mm-hmm. is what we said about people getting a bit bored of it mm-hmm. is the atmosphere of the Etihad. Yeah. He's often laid into Manchester City home fans for not creating, mm-hmm. you know, grand enough noise for not spurring the team on because he's basically cultivated a level of expectancy there. Yeah, completely. Still hasn't won the Champions League though. Um, and, and, I, and as I say, I think his legacy, you know, when all said and done, I think it will be in that season at Barcelona and obviously what he went on to do at Bayern and Man City we mentioned. But it was when he looked like he had created a side that was completely and utterly invincible. But there seemed to be two men who seems to who, who, who can dent that and can shatter that, whether it be for a season, a moment, a cup game or whatever. And Jurgen Klopp, of course, is, is one of them. Um, and the other is Jose Mourinho. Maybe not nowadays, but certainly back in the day it was. So uh, yes, let's let's leave it there. Um, so we've we've done Guardiola. On the next one, it will be Jose Mourinho, of course. Thank you very much for joining us on another Football Ramble Guide to. Remember, we want your ideas for what to talk about. Email us show at footballramble.com or tweet us at football ramble with your suggestions. But of course, next time it will be. Jose Mourinho, the fallen angel of FC Barcelona, as Jonathan Wilson once described him. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, Vish. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. See you soon for the next one. 
Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.